0: Okay, so did you know that the first recorded people to set New Year's resolutions were the ancient Babylonians some 4,000 years ago? It seems this ritual of setting intentions at the top of the year and then struggling to keep them is an eternal challenge. And we're approaching yet another round of New Year's resolutions. So today on CityCast Portland, we're helping our fellow Portlanders with something the Babylonians did not have access to, the latest in the modern psychology of breaking bad habits. We're talking with Dr. Elliot Berkman, a professor of psychology at the University of Oregon. He studies the motivational and cognitive factors that influence health goals, such as quitting smoking, eating healthier, or getting more exercise. Dr. Berkman is gonna give us some advice in becoming a little more resolute in our resolutions. He also has a unique perspective on why, just maybe, we don't need them. It's Tuesday, December 5th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Dr. Berkman, thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks, Claudia. I appreciate the invite. I'm happy to be here.
0: I feel like this is an age-old question, or battle, (laughs) is how to break habits that you don't want, uh, how to start habits and maintain them, uh, the ones you do want. Um, I'm curious in your line of work, what are some of the most common bad habits that people want to break in Portland?
1: You know, a lot of habits in Portland are similar to the ones that I hear about all around the country. Um, And in fact, in studies nationwide, the top habits people want to change are things like eating more healthfully, getting more physical activity, uh, maybe getting out of that bad relationship. But specific to Portland, I think Portlanders are a group of people that are really conscious of health and sustainability. Mm-hmm. And so I certainly hear a lot of folks talking about um, setting goals for physical activity and also setting goals for environmental action, like changing their mode of transport, eating local, or starting to set up their own garden.
0: Because I, I mean, the ones I hear also is like, I don't want to go to the bar as much. I mean, we have such an or I don't want to eat out as much, uh, mm. which in Portland's like, favor and also, you know, uh, I don't know, deficit, is that we have a really great dining scene. It's so easy just to go out and eat. Mm-hmm. And also our bar scene is incredible. Do you think that Portland is encouraging us to become alcoholics and um, <laughs> spend all our money on eating out? <laughs>
1: Well, there's no shortage of vices, uh, you know, in Portland, and we certainly go out of our way to make it available to folks. Um, you know, if people feel like you are drinking too much alcohol or too much coffee for that matter, right, those things are widely available. But on the same Token, I think restaurants and to some extent bars, you know, local establishments are responsive to people's needs. So for folks that are saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm less concerned about health and really just want to eat in a sustainable way, um, you know, there are restaurants where you can go where it's totally local food um, and you, you can sort of have your environmental goals met that way or try to get out of that habit of eating food that has been shipped across oceans or trucked a million miles um, to get to your plate. Yeah. So I think, you know, Portland, It's there, there's good and bad there. And it, it all does depend on what your goals are. It's true. And so physical activity could be another example. But there are parts of the city where the walkability is quite low. And it's, it's difficult, particularly for folks that don't have as much um, disposable income, who can't afford to live close in. You know, it's hard to break a habit of, say, driving to work, if that's something that you're concerned about. Um, and cities can do a lot uh, in terms of infrastructure and making places walkable or bikeable to, to encourage those kinds of good habits.
0: So, what I'm hearing is that certain environments can encourage certain habits, either good or bad.
1: Right. That, that you know, a goal that you set or a habit you're trying to break are things that are kind of sort of in your control, right? But At the same time, a lot of habits are strongly influenced by our environment and our context and these broader social structures that we're embedded in. You know, no matter how motivated someone is to be more physically active, you know, if there are limitations, maybe they have a disability, maybe they live in a really far out place and, you know, maybe there's no parks around them. Maybe they can't afford to have a gym membership. Right. These are all structural things. And so there's a limit to what an individual person can do. And and that's really forced me to um, work outside of psychology and talk to people in urban planning, built environment, you mm-hmm. know, even larger things like political science.
0: Wow. And um, you hear the same concept when it comes to food deserts, uh, why certain uh, communities, usually uh, lower income or, you know, communities of color, they don't have access to fresh food. Um, yeah. and there's like a liquor store every other block, but there's not a, you know, of a market or a grocery store that's selling uh, reasonably priced organic food or just vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I exactly mean, right. that makes a lot of sense. So yep. aside from these structures that you can't really do much about, why is breaking bad habits still so hard? I mean, if we're talking about like, Quitting smoking or drinking less, or, you know, why is it still so hard to do so when you just in your brain, you're just like, I don't want to do that anymore? <laughs> like, <what?
1: laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: or, or, you know, at the end of your shift, you go home and maybe you hang out on TikTok when you're just like, I really should go for a walk or go to the gym or whatever. Um, in Portland, I know why it's hard. It's like sometimes it's just, it's so rainy. You don't want to leave your house. <laughs> but like, what, what is, what is the psychology behind that?
1: It's a great question, and one that psychologists have, have invested quite a bit of energy in trying to answer. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that our brains are wired to form habits, like getting into habits. You know, they, they kind of have a bad reputation, um, and we, we often think of bad habits, right? Like you mentioned, being sedentary mm-hmm. after work or, you know, smoking or drinking too much or wh- whatnot. But a lot of the habits that we have are actually quite beneficial. Um, so I often will talk about learning to drive. That's you could say that's kind of a habit that you get behind the wheel. and when you're first learning to drive, you really need to understand you know where to put your hands, where to put your feet. Maybe we should talk about learning to ride a bicycle as a better example. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, same rule applies, right? That we have this amazing capacity as humans to take something that's actually quite difficult. You know, a lot of moving parts, a lot of coordination. And once you learn it, it kind of becomes automatic. The bad part is that those bad habits or the unhealthy ones piggyback on top of exactly that same brain machinery um, that we rely on to form the kind of good habits or those everyday habits that we use that just make our lives a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Um, So that system in our brain is really deep. It's very old and entrenched, and it's quite powerful. So it's hard to overcome it. Um, and so one tip I'll often say is that it's, it's difficult to just stop a habit. Um, the hardest thing to do is just stop doing something. It's easier to think about and to actually do is replacing a habit with a new habit. So use that habit system that's very powerful rather than trying to sort of, you know, overpower it. Just try to say, let's replace this habit that I have with a new one.
0: So for an example, if somebody wants to stop smoking, what is a good habit? That they could replace it with,
1: right? Well, I mean, mean, common ones are you know something like chewing gum or um, maybe even practicing meditation. Mm -hmm. People don't necessarily think about that, but a lot of what actually maintains um, smoking as a habit is the the kind of structured, rhythmic breathing um, that you can get into. There's been really interesting research showing that smokers, when they're smoking. Um, they actually breathe a little more deeply and a little more slowly. And some of that is just the kind of mechanics of smoking. Um, Mm -hmm. And some of it is the physiological effects of nicotine on the body. Um, But those are effects that you can replicate on your own without a cigarette, just by training yourself to breathe in a certain way. Um, And a lot of contemplative practices and meditation practices um, have that as a component. So that's a good example. Um, But what I would just recommend is that before you try to break a habit, it's a common problem or a common pitfall that people trip into um, is that they try to change a habit without really coming up with a plan beforehand. Mm. If you you reach a breaking point and you're very frustrated with the habit and you just want to say, nope, that's it, starting right now, I'm going to do it differently. Um, But habits are so entrenched in our lives, I would say an important part that is often overlooked is taking a moment or maybe even a few moments to think about how is that habit embedded in your life, right? What are the kinds of structures, and what does it provide for you? So smoking is a good example, and you can say, well, look at the times of day that I smoke. If it's at work, maybe I use smoking as a way to get a break from work. It's very common, right? And so then you might say, you know, well, not smoking means I'm gonna maybe miss those breaks, right? And that that can be uh, that can become a barrier to quitting. And so thinking ahead and saying, you know what, I'm still going to take a break, but during the break, I'm going to do something different. Like you said, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's a walk around the block, whatever works for you, right? But I think giving yourself a moment to think ahead, plan, try to understand what is supporting that habit or how that habit is kind of woven into the structure of your life um, and coming up with ways to replace the the missing pieces is really uh, important.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't smoke, but that's what people say who smoke a lot. they're like, this is a me moment
1: no, and that's great
0: yeah, that's what yeah. people also that's why people meditate um, mm-hmm. that's why people work out you know
1: and gaining that insight like the question of you know what why am I doing this and even yeah. if you know I, I like it because it's a me moment well, you know that's a great start because then you can say, well, what are other ways that I can have a me moment
0: mm-hmm Okay, well, let's take a quick break here. And when we return, the bad habit Dr. Berkman used his own research to overcome. If you're willing to share, was there a bad habit you were able to break? Like what was the strategy there?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you don't have um, to
0: you, I mean you don't, you don't have to open up to me, Dr. Berkman, but I'm just saying if if there's something that on at the ready, I'm sure someone's asked you since this is your whole uh, field of study.
1: Well, <laughs> and in psychology, it's often the expression that we use is research is me search. Um, one habit um, recently I got out of a, about a decade of pretty sedentary behavior. And speaking of structural reasons, a lot of the contributing factor to that was that I had young children. Um, of course, I don't want to completely blame my kids. There are plenty of parents out there of young kids who can still exercise. But for me, it dropped off. And so that habit of sitting around when I came home from work or you know, on the weekends when I had some free time it's hard to overcome, you know, it's, it's very, we, it's underappreciated, I think, in our culture of just how nice it is to sit and do nothing. Um, but it's something we can all relate to. And so getting over that habit and kind of rediscovering, the joys of being physically active, and of course, I'm in Eugene, so the the activity of choice here is uh, is running, um, and I've been running fairly regularly for about a year and a half now. Yeah. A key component of habit of forming habits is to is reward, um, and that's that's kind of how yeah. they get you know formed to begin with.
0: I was about to ask, like, how do you keep it? Because I can I can run yeah. for three days in a row and be like, I did it, and then be like, Yeah, I'm done. You know, right, like
1: right, you've done it. Yeah. What's the reward? Well, and that's the funny thing of habits. At first, sometimes the reward has to be almost artificial, and you kind of have to deliberately reinforce yourself. Right? You're training yourself, just like Pavlov trained his dogs to do something. <laughs> you yeah, know, I mean, that's that's habit formation, at least at at the very beginning. Um, and certainly, something like physical activity might not feel great um, at the start if you've been sedentary for a long time. Certainly was the case for me. Right? Those first few runs were kind of unpleasant. Um, and I had to really reinforce it. You know, there's different strategies people talk about. There's this one strategy people call temptation bundling, where you you kind of say, you know, hey, uh, I really want to eat this, you know, tasty piece of candy or so, some kind of food that you want, right? And say, well, you know, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to let myself eat that, but only when I go for a run or only when I do whatever that habit is that I'm trying to build.
0: Ah, uh, I see what you're
1: saying. So you kind of bundle it. Um, but eventually, I, I think trying to reinforce what you're doing based on things that are a little bit deeper than just material rewards, things like thinking about how the habit is really satisfying some kind of inner desire. You know, for me, at least, it was thinking about um, what I was doing for my health. Right. And after each run, I was like, you know what, that, maybe that didn't feel so great this time. I know it's going to get better, but it, it certainly was a good step in the right direction in terms of my, you know, my heart health. Um, And after a while, you know, it's almost completely automatic. Um, So You know, went on a workout this morning and it was before my I really my coffee had set in. And honestly at this point I don't even remember. I just I know I had a workout, it was fine. It didn't feel hard. It was just like something I do as part of my day.
0: Yeah. That sounds nice, Dr. Berkman. (laughs)
1: you're like yeah try not to be bitter (laughs) good for you no but i think i'm trying to illustrate like these are the ways that and but it's true like for people who are like these running for decades and decades they'll tell you like it would be harder not to run right it's just sort of built into the routine it's just part of their life um and doesn't feel hard Mm
0: -hmm. do you recommend any online resources for people who uh maybe want to see work out like their strategy in a sense of how to break a habit or how to start a good
1: one a good question. I mean, I like this idea of rewarding yourself and so there's various online tools for that. Um, One of them that's kind of funny that I'll tell you about is called STICK um, Mm S-T-I-C-K-K It has two K's at the end. Okay. And the the trick there is that you actually um, put some money down right? And so you say, I have this habit I want to form or this goal I want to achieve and you actually give them money and they take it and put it into kind of an escrow account. And if you fail, or I should say, if you succeed in your goal, you get the money back. Um, But if you don't, then the money goes towards some charity that you specify that is, you know, something you wouldn't want it to go towards. Um, And so, it's kind of the flip side of reward. It's almost like a punishment. And so, the motivation there is you're trying to avoid giving money to this charity that you don't like, (laughs) you know, going to go to this horrible political candidate or something. Yeah, yeah. I'd much rather run. Um, Oh,
0: man. But is it like the honor system?
1: Yeah, the, it works. It It is by default. I mean, it works even better if you can nominate like a referee, I think is the term they use, where you you pick somebody, a friend or a relative, where you can say, hey, this person, I'm going to give this person the power to tell you whether I was successful or not. So, you know, you could always lie to that person. Um, but I think for, for the most <laughs> part, people would be honest and their friend or their partner or whoever would be able to report and say, nope, you know what, Claudia, uh, she didn't get there.
0: <laughs> wow. Yep. You mean my ex friend? (laughs) (laughs) It's really interesting. I'm still not seeing my path here, but maybe, maybe I'll figure it out.
1: Well, in the end of the day, you know, your goals are your own. And for some people, you know, on the motivational side, I'll have these kinds of conversations where we explore the barriers and we explore the factors that would be really motivating to them. And sometimes people discover, you know what? It's just I just don't really want it. Like I don't want to be to. And that's fine. You know, no judgment here. It's like maybe you don't. It
0: doesn't sound like you want to get in shape. And that's fine. That's fine.
1: <laughs> it <laughs> is fine. And you know, because there's nothing, you know, there's nothing morally virtuous or something like that about being mm-hmm. in shape. It's just it's a goal, right? And so yeah. do you have other goals.
0: You know what? I like this. I like I like where this landed. Um, I feel good about myself and I hope others listening know that maybe they just don't need to have goals. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and right. Dr. Berman's like, that's not what I said, and that's not.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm actually a big fan of that. I think goals are something, our, you know, our society often foits upon us, that we mm-hmm. we kind of, Get this package of goals that we're supposed to have, you know. It's and in some ways, it's like not to get too political, but it's a very kind of capitalist sort of mindset of like you're supposed to have educational goals and professional goals and health goals and relationship goals and you know what? Uh, who says that, right? It's like society right. is saying that, but maybe not for every individual. And 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 there are a lot of traditions. I mean, I think kind of Eastern contemplative traditions are, are give a different message, right? When say you know what it's not about what you're going to be in the future or what you were in the past. It's about who you are right now in the moment. And that doesn't sound like goal setting to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's just another way of approaching it.
0: I love that. I think we're going to end with that just because it, I don't know. That's so beautiful. I've never thought about it that way. Just like maybe these goals aren't going to service you in the way that you think you are. They will, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Berkman for taking the time.
1: Great. Thanks, Claudia. It was a pleasure.
0: And now for your microdose of news. It's been an open secret that City Commissioner Dan Ryan has been considering a run for mayor. But yesterday, he officially took his name out of the running. But Willamette Week reported that Ryan says he will still, quote, keep fighting for the city I love. Commissioner Mingus Maps has already declared his intent to run for mayor back in July, and fellow commissioners Carmen Rubio and Rene Gonzalez have yet to make definitive statements either way. Also, a judge ruled that a lawsuit over the raising of hundreds of homes in Portland's Albina neighborhood, which took place over 50 years ago, can proceed. Defendants argue that the demolition that made way for legacy Emanuel Hospital and Health Center was a violation of the family's civil rights. The city, Prosper Portland, and Emanuel had hoped to dismiss the suit. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. Well, that's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.